This is an AMI podcast. I'm Juwita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. Humor is a double-edged sword. It has the potential to hurt and stereotype people from marginalized communities, including people with disabilities. But humor can also draw critical attention to negative attitudes by laughing at problematic representations of disability and offering a form of social commentary. There's a long and painful history of laughing at disability. But as a counterpoint to that, at least more recently, disabled comedians themselves have carved out spaces to make jokes about disability while representing it in a holistic and non-stereotypical way. Yet other people believe that disability is no laughing matter at all, but clearly there is some untapped potential in humor to change how we think, act, and relate to one another. Today, we discuss disability and humor. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Hello and welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. I'm Joyita Gupta. My guest today is Erin Pritchard, a lecturer in disability and education at the School of Social Sciences at Liverpool Hope University. Her article, He's Adorable, Representations of People with Dwarfism in Family Guy, recently appeared in the Canadian Journal of Disability Studies. Erin joins us today from the UK. Hello and welcome to the program. Hi, nice to So before we get into talking about Family Guy, tell me, at least in broad strokes, what the representation of people with dwarfism has been like in the media. Uh, mostly since, you know, for centuries now, it's a form of humor. Um, so as much as you are small, you are also funny. So people point and they laugh and, and you have representations that are, stigmatizing um if it's not humor it's fantasy so you've got things like snow white and the seven dwarfs uh willy wonka and the chocolate factory uh the munchkins from wizard of oz we're always this like race of our own and then you have characters such as mini me in dr evil uh, in austin powers which construct dwarfism as funny and something that you can own almost like a pet so you're always something to be laughed at Mm. Just, just by virtue of uh, of your stature, you become the object of, of humor. And I'm sure you've gotten asked this question a lot, Erin, but what is the impact of these on-screen representations of dwarfism for people in real life? I mean, there are hundreds of people who live with dwarfism. What does all this mean for them? Well, because dwarfism is quite rare, but not rare in um, entertainment, it affects them really negatively. So in my research, in my doctoral research, it showed that cultural representations of dwarfism, how you treat a dwarf on stage or in, in a film, how they're represented, impacts then how somebody else is treated. So a lot of people with dwarfism get pointed at, laughed at, photographed, called a midget, a mini-me, you know, an umpa get asked where their six friends are. So it's all those cultural references. I mean, people with dwarfism get picked up because people think, well, you know, midget tossing's fine, so I can pick up this dwarf. So it has a large um, impact on how people with dwarfism are treated, and they're treated in a very humorous and degrading way. And this impacts on them because a lot of people with dwarfism are afraid to leave the house 
or if they do, they they don't they avoid certain places or they avoid certain places at certain times because they just know the abuse is going to be horrendous. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about Family Guy. I'm sure you are a fan of the show, or maybe you're not a fan of the show. But what got you thinking about the representation of dwarfism in Family Guy? And is it more of the same, or is the representation of dwarfism different in Family Guy in your perception? I am a fan of the show, so that's probably why I was taking such an interest in it. But like um, Stuart Holt, his reception theory is we all sort of interpret differently. And so at first you might think, actually, oh no, dwarfs again, here we are, the humorous, but the joke. But there's two elements with Family Guy. One, they make fun of everyone, so you don't mm-hmm. feel it's just you. But secondly, a lot of those scenes, when you have a deeper analysis, these are scenes that I can relate to as a person with dwarfism because you have those non-disabled, the average-sized person mocking you, and that's what they're trying to highlight as funny, but not in a way that, oh, look, it's funny to to make fun of the dwarf. But these people, they're the ones that are funny. Those are the ones we should be laughing at because, you know, um, in some scenes, the person who's laughing at the dwarf is has a silly voice mm-hmm. or they show them as, like, having something different to them. So I think that's the important part. But why talk about Family Guy at all? I mean, there are so many organizations. There's, um, you know, here in Canada, of course, but also Little People of America all over the place. They're doing such great work to raise awareness about dwarfism and try and change some of those attitudes. In that milieu, where does Family Guy come in? Well, I think you're right. Some organizations do do great work, but here in the UK, not so much because we have LPUK, which actively you know, promotes quite derogatory entertainment by what their patron does, Warwick Davis. Um, But I chose Family Guy because I was just watching it a lot. And I think it has such a large audience. You know, it's a very popular animated program. Uh, You know, it's shown internationally in in the US, UK, Canada, everywhere. I felt lots of people are going to be watching this. And that's why it's important to analyze those representations. And especially because it gets quite a bad deal. Everybody's saying, oh, it's such a bad program. You know, it's really offensive. And I was thinking to myself, actually, in relation to dwarfism, it isn't. So what's that saying about the ones that are actually really offensive that we overlook when it comes to dwarfism? Mm. We'll come back to this point about some of the humor seeming very controversial and offensive on Family Guy, but the animated, adult-oriented, you know, sitcoms are the are, are really quite popular. I mean, Family Guy, of course, Simpsons, a big one, King of the Hill. Is this trend that you're talking about, where you have these sort of layered representations of dwarfism? And I'll expand that a little bit if you'll allow me some editorial permission here. And maybe you know, layered representation around disability. Do we see that happening in other shows as well, like The Simpsons or The King of the Hill, for example? Um- yeah, I think it is. I mean, certainly like um, with Becca Malley, she's spoken about representations of disability in general in South Park. But if you look at The Simpsons, there are a few scenes there, like when Mo dates a little person. And again, they're highlighting, you know, she dumps him because Mo starts mocking her height, mm-hmm. takes it too far. And I think there you've got this social commentary there again. And The Simpsons have done it with other um, disabilities as well, but I'm just thinking of that off the top of my head. Um, mm-hmm. As opposed to King of the Hill, I I haven't watched that, so I I wouldn't know, but I'm <laughs> guessing okay. they might. <laughs> Yeah, no, there's so much to unpack here. And as we sort of inch our way along, um, I wanted to 
go on a bit of a segue and ask you a little bit about your methodology for in writing this article. You engage in something called autocritical discourse analysis. Now, for those of us who don't have a background in the social sciences, what does that mean? And what are the benefits of that kind of an approach? Well, it's quite a new method that derived, well, it created by Professor David Bolt, who is a colleague of mine um, and the head of the Center for Cultural Disability Studies. And basically, it's like autoethnography. It's, it's a researcher who is disabled reflecting on their own analysis of a show. They provide their own analysis based on their experiences and their knowledge of something. So for me, because I have dwarfism, I'm analyzing it from the perspective as a person with dwarfism, but with a background in disability studies. Mm. And you're talking about humor, which um, as I tried to sort of clumsily demonstrate in my in my opening monologue there, is something that can bring up a lot of feelings for people with disabilities and, and for people living with dwarfism as well. It can be a site of a lot of pain for people. I mean, the, the, the Victorian freak show, for example, is not as much of a distant memory as we'd like, as, as you alluded to. People still get pointed at and they still get their pictures taken. So what is it about the relationship between disability and humor that might make it both challenging to investigate, but also rife with possibilities? Yeah, I think it depends on the type of humor. So in disability studies, we have two types. There's disabling humor, which is the negative humor, which stigmatizes disabled people. And then there's disability humor, which helps to um, raise awareness of disability and the issues of disability through the use of humor. So like you say, some of the comedians, disabled comedians do it. They, they talk about their experiences, but in a humorous way to try and raise awareness to the audiences. And I think that's what Family Guy do. And I'm not aware, I don't, I don't think any of the writers or creators are disabled but they certainly use some disability humor to sort of, as a form of social commentary. Mm. Let me ask you a bit about that because I've wrestled with this. Who gets to make jokes that fall in the that fall in the realm of disability humor? Is this something that only comedians or creators who self-identify with the disability community get to lay claim to, or is this that anyone who is a conscientious creator? might be able to do and and you know if you're not a person with a disability if you're not a person living with a dwarfism how do you engage in disability humor without falling into the trap of of ableism for lack of a better word um i think you're right in what you say that if you have that consciousness you can do it whether you're disabled or not as long as you are aware of whether it's making offense or not and if you think you know if you want to if you're unsure run it by disabled people you know, I think that's the way to go because I think disabled people can be just as guilty of engaging in disabling humor. And, you know, there's a lot of people with dwarfism who do that, who, you know, hire themselves out for birthday parties just so people can point and stare at the dwarf. And so I'd rather a non-disabled person doing this disability humor and making a difference than just allowing even a dwarf just to humiliate themselves, which is a lot more problematic. So, I don't think it matters on the person providing the representations right. Well, let's let's talk a little bit more about Family Guy. What are the instances on that show? Because I'm trying to rack my brains here and I can't actually think of a, a, a titular character or a main character who lives with dwarfism. Um, where in the show does, does dwarfism come up? 
They're mostly in the famous cutaway gags that Family Guy has, because I, I don't think there is a reoccurring character with dwarfism. Mm-hmm. It's in those cutaway gags when they're trying to highlight something. So, for example, I, I think it was Brian the dog who said, um, you know, this is more serious than the announcing of Pearl Harbor. And, it, you know, it cuts this scene where there's this guy with dwarfism in a suit and tie, very professional looking, standing behind a lectern, but he's standing on a stool, which I have to do to teach my students all the time. Mm. And he's giving this very important, um, serious speech. And then you hear a member of the audience who you don't see in a very childish voice go, he's adorable. And I'm Mm. like, this is so, yeah, I get this because you know what? I'm a lecturer, but still people don't take me seriously. I mean, I hope my students do. But in general, people, I can wear a suit and, and I can be on a train going somewhere, but still I will have someone going, oh, she's cute. Oh, my God, look at the midget. So I could relate to that. It doesn't matter how hard you try. There's always going to be that one person who just sees you as funny. Right. And and of course, there's so much more that's going on there, too. This idea that someone who is living with dwarfism is also holding down a government job, one with yeah. a lot of responsibility. Uh, there are all sort of inferences that can be made about class in that situation, mm-hmm. too. And you draw on that gag for the title of your of your article about, you know, the person being adorable. The other cutaway gag or the other instance in Family Guy that you talk about in your paper that I thought was so interesting is when Joe Swanson, who is himself in a wheelchair uh, and is a constable, is called to attend to an instance of domestic violence uh, involving two people who are living with dwarfism. Describe that scene for us and and tell us about some of the uh, some of the inferences that you drew from the reaction to that scene from some of the other characters. Yeah, so. Joe Swanson is called to a domestic and Peter and Quagmire, his two close friends, go with him. And in it, we see two people with dwarfism, a married couple, I assume, fighting. Um, And it is a bit silly. And I think some people could take it offensively and I wouldn't blame them. But what I drew on there was the way Quagmire and Peter responded to the incident. You know, Mm. we know domestic violence. It's horrible. It's a serious issue. Yet Peter goes, this isn't, this is funny because it's two people with dwarfism fighting. And it doesn't matter what you do as a person with dwarfism, somebody of low intelligence such as Peter will always find it funny. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the point, that, you know, I hope that was the point Family Guy was trying to make in the sense that, look, someone like Peter, he's low intelligence, he's the one laughing at this. And that's mm-hmm. what you are if you do. And then Quagmire. I think at one point gets his phone out to record the dwarfs, um, the two people with dwarfism fighting. Again, that's that's an incident that people with dwarfism often experience. People will photograph us. They they will take out their phone and start recording us on that phone. And so I was like, wow, they're showing a part of my life here. Not that I'm, you know, domestic mm-hmm. abuse, but it's like those are those scenes. It was how people react, and it was like holding a mirror to society in one sense. And although like you know, I said I draw on uh, Stuart Hall's reception theory, it can be taken either way. I think there's an opportunity there to, you know, demonstrate those those experiences. Uh, The experience of of being infantilized or trivializing what might have otherwise been a really serious issue, you know, domestic violence is one of those things that I think there's enough sensibility to not laugh at under ordinary circumstances. But in this instance, you know, we're highlighting, would you say, the fact that the stature of the characters involved 
almost takes away from the seriousness of the issue and 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 that is it's it's that's outlining the prejudice of of the able-bodied people who are attending or the average size people who are attending that scene yeah definitely i think it doesn't matter what's happening if it has dwarf people dwarfism in it it's going to be funny and that's what they were you know really showing but what i also like about all these representations in family guy is that dwarfs are everyday people Mm. They're in a suit and tie or they're in just, you know, jeans and a T-shirt. They're going around shopping. Um, they're, they're working in presidential occupations. They're not clowns. They're not umpalumpas. They're not in any funny costumes. And I think that was good to include. Let me ask you a bit about language. We have a lot of discussions about language here. Uh, should it be people with disabilities versus disabled people, uh, blindness versus visual impairment? What is the significance of getting the language right when it comes to dwarfism? And, and and what are the right words to use? And, you know, what are the things we should stay away from? Is there a, a significance to language here that we that the show isn't really tackling or is effectively tackling, in your opinion? Yeah, this is one criticism I have of the show, because in the UK, it's a person with dwarfism. Um, there's also other terms, but and I know in, in North America it might be little person and that's absolutely fine. These terms differ. The one term nobody with dwarfism likes in the UK, in the US, in Canada is the term midget. It's very mm-hmm. offensive because it derives from the freak show and it, and it means like sandfly on that. So it's dehumanizing. And this is a problem with Family Guy. The only problem, they switch between midget and dwarf as if they're two different types. And this was a common mistake that comes from the freak show. In the freak show, people with disproportionate dwarfism would be called dwarfs. People with perfectly proportioned dwarfism, people that were just very small, would be referred to as midgets. Now, the term has become very stigmatized, but people often say, is there a difference between dwarf and midget? Um, and they mm-hmm. still think that it applies to you know, the, the proportionate dwarfism, but it doesn't. It is really offensive. So that's the one thing I'd say to Family Guy is just take out that word, still make your jokes, just remove that word. When I sort of think back to some of the things we talked about and the perception of the the two you know, cutaway gags that we discussed today about the guy at the podium and the domestic violence scene, and I'm sure there are others that we haven't talked about today, how much of this is in the eye of the of the beholder? I mean, to what extent is this subversive potential of the humor or the social commentary potential of the humor dependent on the audience and their exposure to dwarfism? I mean, some people are likely to get it, but some people might actually think that in the domestic violence instance, that Quagmire and Peter's reactions were completely conventional and that this is mm-hmm. the right way to react. So how do you how do you tackle audience perception? That's very true. I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's a cartoon, so it's very difficult. Um, But I think because it's got slightly different where people might have a different view, because you've got to remember there's millions of people watching this, not everyone's going to react the same. At least it's doing something different to the conventional representations of dwarfism like Snow White or Umpalumpas or whatever, or Mini-Me, where we all know everybody's going to react negatively to that. At least mm-hmm. here, there is that opportunity for people to go, I can relate to that. Or, ah, is that how they get treated? Or, you know, I'm going to laugh at Peter. I'm not going to laugh at the dwarfs. I'm going to laugh at Peter. But there are obviously always going to be people who are probably very much like Peter Griffin who are going to laugh at the dwarfs and never see past it because all they've been exposed to are people with dwarfism making complete fools of themselves. 
And I think that's the part we really need to be tackling is mm. if we want to change representations, people with dwarfism, and it's a minority of people with dwarfism, they need to start taking themselves seriously. And, and beyond people with dwarfism taking themselves seriously, do you think there's some space also for, for to educate audiences in some way? You know, just because there's a perception that when you're at a movie or you're watching a show, you get to switch off mentally and you just allow yourself to sit back, eat popcorn and be entertained. But nonetheless, we've talked about how important these representations are to the lived experience of people with dwarfism. So how do we carve out spaces to educate, inform um, audiences so that they, they can try and understand some of the subversive potential in humor as well? Um, I think having more disabled writers and giving them the opportunity, you know, through education and all that, to have those opportunities to be behind the scenes and writing this, you know, contributing to this and actually maybe being consultants on these programs to go, yeah, this is great, but you're using the wrong terminology here. Or actually, have you thought about this? You know, so you're not stopping the humor. You're just stopping it if it's really beyond, you know, that you, if you're not going to laugh at somebody else and don't do it towards dwarfs. And I think just educating people by removing some of those very problematic representations of dwarfism, such as you know, the, the ability to hire out a dwarf who's stag do or something, or have midget tossing competitions. Those are the things you need to be going after before you even look at something like Family Guy and where there is that commentary and to try and maybe highlight it a bit more. Just before I let you go, you've got a couple of minutes left. I hope you will bear with me. Uh, but I wanted to ask you to, if possible, weigh in on some of the, the recent controversy around the Disney animated live action Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Um, we got some pretty scathing criticism from Peter Dinklage, who's saying we're still making stories about seven grown men living in a cave. And of course, Disney turned around and said, but we are consulting with the community and we're trying to get this right. Where do you come down on the argument? Do you think that something like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves has had its moment in the sun and we need to retire it? Do you think we can repurpose the story? Do you think Peter Dinklage had it right? What what What's your take on it? I think there's two things. I do think Peter Dinklage was right to be concerned, but I think a different take on the story is what's needed because if you look at the original Grimm's fairy tale, it's nothing like the 1937 Snow White movie. And then what that Snow White film did then was influence pantomimes in the UK. And they're going to be up showing year on year whether or not we get rid of, or, you know, whether Peter said, look, let's stop this remake. Whether we do that or not, we've still got the pantomime. So let's do the remake, have it, um, you know, uh, like a lot better. Don't have the stereotypes. Don't focus on dwarfism. You can just have Snow White. You don't have to have these dwarfs. You could have minors, whatever. Do it properly. And so then when you do the pantomimes every year, you're not going to have the silly 1937 Disney version. So I think mm -hmm. reappropriating it would be the right way forward. Do you still watch Family Guy? <laughs> um, yes, I do. I, um, I haven't watched it in a while, to be honest with you. Moved on now to American Dad, but yes, and still The Simpsons as well when I've got time. <laughs> Of course, yeah, with uh, the amount of lecturing you do and the writing you do, I'm sure that time is hard to come by. Erin Pritchard, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
My guest today was Erin Pritchard, who is a lecturer in disability and education at the School of Social Sciences at Liverpool Hope University. Her article, He's Adorable, Representations of People with Dwarfism and Family Guy, recently appeared in the Canadian Journal of Disability Studies. That's all the time we have today, but I thank you very much for joining us on the show. If you missed this episode or want to get caught up with previous episodes, you can find the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Our technical producer is Nisreen Abdul-Majid. Our technical supervisor is Paula Deneen. And Andy Frank is the manager for AMI-audio. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful rest of your day. 